Staying Alive in Paragliding, a podcast series with your host, Steph Juncker from Cape Town, South Africa, the owner of Parapax Tandem Paragliding and a competition pilot of 23 years. Real podcasts for real pilots to learn from, to laugh at, and to enjoy the funny and crazy stories that go with it. It's across the Atlantic and across the mainland of the USA that I travel this afternoon to the city of Seattle, where Bill Hughes lives just outside that quite interesting city, a city that has changed its character a lot since the advent of the dot-com era. Bill is a very experienced pilot, an excellent comp pilot, an FAI observer who I've met in South Africa many times, and more importantly, a kayaker. He's a retired entrepreneur, and this afternoon he's told us that he'd be happy to chat to us about why somebody should get into kayaking, the costs involved, and obviously the hurdles and risks. Hi, Bill. Welcome on the podcast. Hey, Steph. Thanks a lot. Good to talk to you. Wonderful to have you. And I would like to ask you straight away, what uh, a little bit about your flying history, how long you've been flying, what is the best and the worst glider that you've flown? Tell us something about you. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've been flying about 20 years, I guess 21 years now. And uh, I got into it uh, when I moved to the Pacific Northwest of the U.S. Um, I used to live in the Southeast. When I lived in the Southeast, I was kayaking. In the Pacific Northwest, all of the rivers are snowmelt. So they're like incredibly cold. In the, in the Southeast, when you're kayaking, you can just, you know, you can just be in a light paddling jacket, maybe, maybe a little bit of uh, a layer for warmth. But, uh, you know, you're out in the sun and, and the water's warm and it's, it's just glorious. So when I moved to the Northwest, the rivers here are bitterly cold because it's all snowmelt. So you have to wear like a dry suit and you know it's it's like you're it's like you're preparing to go into outer space or something and then it's just it's just miserable because the water's super super cold but you're like sweating inside this dry suit and and i just said oh, i got to do something else so i i i got into uh paragliding um so yeah about 20 about 20 years the worst glider i've ever flown yeah. is uh well it was actually it was actually a, a good glider in a lot of respects it was a a gradient SR7, but there was essentially no limit to the amount of speed you could pull, and it had tremors. So mm. I was I was flying in a competition one time and um, had the tremors on. We were like coming into goal, and I was like in second place, and you know goal was like like uh, I don't know like you know half a kilometer away, and and so the so the guy who was in first, you know, was like full you know tremors on full speed. And, you know, I'm on full tremors, tremors all the way on full speed. And, uh, I just, you know, I just started pushing a little bit more speed and a little bit more speed and a little bit more speed. And the SR7 has no limiters and I'm catching him, you know, but I'm not going to catch him fast enough, a little bit more speed. And all of a sudden just boom, the whole glider just completely disappears. And Bill, um, Bill Belcourt, who was like flying behind me, said he's he's never seen a wing so completely disappear <laughs> like that. So, so that was uh, was not not the safest glider. Um, and then the best glider I've ever flown, I think, was my Boomerang Five. It was just 
you know, it was great performance and it was super fun to fly. And, uh, I just think I've never had as much fun as I did on the, on the boom five. And I think you've said it there. Fun factor is all. It's everything in our paragliding. It just makes us wake up in the morning, look out the window. Um, just sensational. That's great. Yeah. Now, this afternoon, you've agreed to talk to me about um, kayaking. Tell us why people should get into kayaking. Uh, tell us uh, the, the, the hurdles, the costs, anything that comes to mind, please. Okay. Yeah. So for people who are, you know, into paragliding, um, kayaking is, is very similar in a lot of ways. I mean, so it's basically, um, the same kinds of flows, uh, except it's water instead of air and you can see it. So you can see the thermals, you can see the eddies, you can see the, the rotor, um, you know, and, uh, and, and you're in it, you're, you know, purposefully kind of like working with it. And so it's a very, you know, cooperative um, kind of experience. So like when you're really on and, and, you know, and having a really good day in whitewater kayaking, you're just like part of the water. You're just flowing with it. It's just completely magical. And, uh, you know, a lot of the same adrenaline rushes you can, you know, we, uh, a buddy of mine and I used to, you know, do waterfalls and we did a couple of first descents and, and uh, it's it's really great, and it's also nice. It's similar to paragliding in terms of like it's a great way to spend you know some time with a few friends. I mean, your your life, you know, if you're doing hard rivers, you know, your life literally depends upon the the people that you're with, and you know, you're you you do a stretch, and then you get out and you scout the next section and decide what the safe routes are. And, you know, if it's really, really dangerous, you send someone down first and then they get out and they set up a throw rope in case someone, you know, in case someone has an accident. And so you're really dependent upon your mates and it's just, it's just a ton of fun. Um, in terms of getting into it, uh, this, it's really, you know, a low cost to entry. I mean, you need a boat and a paddle, and a helmet and you know depending upon where you live you might need some uh you know some some gear in terms of like a dry suit or, or whatever but if you live in in warm water areas um you know you don't even need that so it's really not that expensive to get into you need to find a good teacher you need to find someone who can teach you how to do a good kayak roll because that's that's key to being able to kayak well is being able to you know flip over and roll back up even even when you're in some mad recirculating um, water, you need to have your wits about you and be able to, to roll back up. But uh, yeah, you just start off with relatively calm rivers and you move your way up to <clears throat> rougher and rougher rivers and, you know, running waterfalls and, and doing things like that. It's just, it's just, uh, it's the closest thing to paragliding that you'll, that you'll find. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, several friends of mine have spoken to me about kayaking and the advantages. Uh, of course, we have some kind of, let's call it a little bit more far removed places in South Africa that uh, one would be able to go. But of course, in uh, North America and uh, countries like um, Slovenia. And so they have a, a, um, an endless a choice of, of places to go. I had a question about how do you uh, do your recovery? The idea is two vehicles, I suppose both with roof racks. If there's three of you, you would uh, somehow have uh, bigger vans or whatever and and um, kind of recover a car after a section. 
Um, a second question related to that is typically how many kilometers would you go down a river? Yeah, so it depends on yeah. So so in terms of recovery, uh, that's exactly right. Yeah, you just you you've got to have you know at least two people. You park you know you park one or more vehicles at the bottom, and then you drive back up to the top, and you you know you put in there. And a lot of times, like you know, for the kind of more wild rivers, you have to hike in. So you you know hike hike your gear into the to the put in, and then for the takeout, you typically um you're you're you know at a lake or you know a calmer spot or something like that you know find a find a bridge that's crossing the river and you know put a vehicle down there and uh and that's it so um yeah it, it really depends i mean so if you're you know if you're on a call most people when they're kayak whitewater kayaking um they're doing like class two class three rivers which they're not moving super fast so um, yeah, for those you do, you know, a couple of kilometers and it really just depends on how long you want to stay out. I mean, you can, you know, you can do five, six kilometers in a day with faster rivers. Um, like we used to go, uh, to West Virginia, which is one of the States in the U S and we do Creek, Creek boating and, uh, creeks are like, you know, really steep, small rivers. And we, we'd do them at flood stage. And, uh, so like, you know, whenever it was like flooding in West Virginia, we get super excited and we, we call each other up and we say, all right, we gotta, we gotta go to this river. And, and, um, you know, at flood stage creeks are just raging. I mean, they're just flying. I mean, you can do, you can do, you know, 10 kilometers in no time at all. Um, so, you know, it just depends. The longest mm -hmm. trip I ever did was the Grand Canyon and oh, wow. Colorado that was yeah, that was a 21 day trip. And, you know, you're, you, you kayak all day and then, you know, camp and, and, uh, you know, we were on the river for 21 days. So, wow, that's fantastic. Oh, that sounds absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, really nice sport to consider. Uh, um, yeah, let's go back to paragliding for a moment. And uh, have you got any news, any kind of tips or anything you would say to anybody? who is new in the sport, any kind of absolutely essential things that people should and shouldn't do in paragliding? Yeah. I mean, I think the essential thing, if you want to paraglide for a long time is, is to be safe and not, not push your limits. I mean, you know, I've had several friends that have died and, um, you know, I think you just, you have to, you have to not take it too seriously. I mean, none of us are getting, um, you know, rich off of, uh, you know, paragliding competitions or cross country paragliding, we're doing it for fun. Um, and I think, I think you just have to not, not push your limits. So, you know, don't scratch quite so close to the, to the rocks when you know it's likely to be rotor and, you know, don't fly over the unflyable section, hoping that you're going to find a thermal that you, you know, only have a 50, 50 chance of, of finding and, and so forth. So I just think, you know, you've got to keep things in perspective and, and have fun. And then the other thing I would say for newer pilots that are, you know, kind of club pilots and, and just, you know, doing, doing a little bit of soaring, who want to get into competition is to, is to practice. You know, most of the people I see just kind of flying around the local site, they're never pushing their speed bar and they're not really doing anything uh, purposefully, they're just kind of, you know, flying around aimlessly. 
And so you can do a lot of training just by, you know, practicing at your local site here in Seattle, we've got a site um, called tiger and mm-hmm. you can do, you can do laps. You can do like a try, even when it's not like a great cross country country day, there's a couple of peaks that you can fly in between. And so, you know, you can like thermal up and then push full speed to the first peak and then thermal up again and push full speed to the next peak. And you can just kind of like do laps. So I would tell people to, you know, fly more purposefully and, you know, set yourself a target and try to fly mm-hmm. there and then try to fly there faster the next time and then try to fly there a little bit faster the next time. So, you know, don't, don't just show up at a, at a competition and that's the only time that you ever, ever push speed or, you know, ever try to fly a route. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tend to uh, think that the, the, um, uh, let's say the hurdle towards people entering in the competition is kind of different. They, they, they tend to see a competition as a really scary part of paragliding. They, they tend to, or they, or they have the mentality that paragliding is absolutely not competitive for them or that they are not competitive and that, uh, the competition, which as you and I know, it's just for a laugh. You're only ever going to get a trophy or a kick in the ass and you're not going to get anything like a millionaire. So you are going to end up with a smile on your face for being first or second or third or, uh, uh, um, uh, or fourth in the novice category when there's 15 entries in the novice category. Fantastic. You know, um, any words on that? Yeah, no, you're exactly right, Steph. I mean, like, you know, it's, I, I think the way I viewed it when I first started um, doing competitions and, and pretty much the way I still view it is, you know, it's, you get to fly cross country and someone does retrieve for you. And mm-hmm. you get a bunch of your friends, you know, all gathered together and you get to hang out and fly together and try to work together. And yeah, someone wins and, you know, that's great. But for the most part, it's just it's just a way it's just an organized way for you and a bunch of mates to get together and have some fun, um, fly some routes that you wouldn't normally fly. And then somebody retrieves you at the end. You don't have to worry about, you know, how you're going to get back. Um, so I think if more people would look at it as as just kind of like you know cross-country flying with organized retrieve then i think the kind of some some of the you know the scariness would would be removed um because that's really that's really ultimately what it is i mean sure it's a competition but um you know like you said nobody's nobody's getting rich off of winning a paragliding competition Mm -hmm. have you prepared any funny stories or anything that you'd like to tell us that was just an unbelievable kind of uh, adventure all right well i'll tell two so like in when i was kayaking where there was a friend of ours who had a pet duck and uh he he had imprinted the duck on his boat and so the boat or the duck thought that the boat was its mother apparently so it would follow it would follow him. It would like run the rapids. I mean, even though the duck could just Man. fly over the rapids, like something out of one of those funny YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was fantastic. You know, we'd be like, we'd be like running these slots, and the duck would be would be like ferrying across the river with us, and you know, following the boat. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, pretty cool. I get from a from a paragliding standpoint, I think. The the luckiest I've been was and I definitely like burned up one of my nine lives. Um, there was like a site that we were flying, and the launch is like really 
in rotor basically i mean like thermals come up the front but uh but you know the prevailing wind is typically from the back so it's a pretty it can be a pretty gnarly launch when the when the wind gets strong and you know the rotor the rotor gusts come over so sure enough you know i launched and i was like maybe i don't know 500 feet over over the ground and just got a massive massive frontal you know went completely the wing went completely underneath me i fell into it um in the u.s we call it getting gift wrapped so i fell into the wing and just and just fell and and like people people on launch you know told me that they saw me you know fall into the wing and then i just and then i just disappeared and they couldn't see me below the hill and uh and then so like what actually happened is i i got gift wrapped and i fell and i felt myself hit the trees and i kind of rolled out this i i rolled myself out the side of the wing and ended up landing on my feet um and did a absorb the impact with my legs and and was fine so like you know when i as soon as i hit the ground i got on the radio saying i'm fine i'm fine and people people on launch were just losing their mind apparently because they're like what do you what do you mean you're fine how you just fell 500 feet. You can't be fine, you know. So yeah, in a Roman candle, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, let me tell you that you can count as one of the luckiest saves ever. That's just unbelievable, you know. So crazy. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on. I'm. I'm. Uh, everything from then on is just bonus time. So I'm. I'm just enjoying life. Good for you. You're retired. You're having a good time. And the very last question I'm going to uh, tell me this summer. What does it look like for you? What do you envisage happening in the next months? Do you think we're going to have some kind of freedom? I think they'll slowly start, you know, opening things up a little bit, um, bit by bit. I, I don't think that there's going to be like a sudden, you know, return back to the way it was before. Because uh, just, uh, you know, the all of the doctors and epidemiologists say that, you know, there's just no way to really do that. So, I think they'll start opening up things where people can stay pretty far away from each other. I think golf courses are open. Hopefully, you know, paragliding sites will start to open back up. And um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be a long time before, you know, before life, you know, totally gets back to normal. In the U.S. today, there's no paragliding allowed. Is that correct? It's it's strongly encouraged that you not do it um there's no way to like ban it you know kind of like globally but like almost all of the sites um it's been you know like so the mayor of uh the town here has you know requested that we not fly at the site and you know she could actually you know completely shut the site down if we don't don't abide by that so it's it's more that kind of a thing um than it is like a total ban there's still some people here and there they're doing some flying oh sure but no competition as as yeah, no being safe which is the ultimate bottom line isn't it yeah 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 bill it's been an absolute laugh i thank you for being on the podcast i hope it's been amusing and great for you and uh yeah i look forward to cleaning it up sending it out there and uh, having a good time i hope to see you maybe this yeah. summer still maybe yeah. there's still a competition for us in September or October maybe we're just free flying and find each other in Europe somewhere yeah hopefully look after yourself buddy alright you too Steph alright
Yeah, really excellent listening to Mr. Hughes there, the retired entrepreneur. He's so modest, he's so down to earth. If you meet him, he's so chilled out. He has this uh, longer hair, which is back in a ponytail, and uh, life is relaxed for him. But you can always see he's a thinking man who takes life semi-seriously, so it was really a pleasure to interview him. Man, those two stories were so funny. The duck down the flood in the kayak, who's always following along as a pet thing. Uh, completely crazy. And of course, uh, him and the Roman candle, or as he called it, getting gift-wrapped, and his friends not even believing that he's alive. Because, of course, if you see somebody who's fallen into their paraglide falling down into trees, you suppose that they are definitely dead. And when they come onto the radio a few seconds later and say, hey, hi, guys, everything's cool, and you hear silence, and your friends can't believe that it's actually you, not a ghost. Good one. Very, very nice there, Bill. Uh, What a pleasure having you on board. Look after it, share it, people, and have a good time. Uh, Keep your heads up high. Keep smiling in this time of lockdown. And, oh, yes, I forgot. I thought I would put a little joke at the very end of every single podcast. And here's the very first one. What's the difference between a golf ball and a G-spot? Well, the answer is a man will spend 15 minutes looking for a golf ball. Enjoy your day, everybody.